Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Good Vibe Hive. This week's edition of Really Cool People is going to feature Clint Pulver. So we're super excited to introduce you guys to him today. Yeah, Clint Pulver is a public speaker and has spoken to groups all over the world. He speaks to um, elementary kids all the way up through like adult businesses and different things like that. So we're just really excited to have him. So listen today to learn more about how he got his start and also a little bit about how he's won his Emmy and some other really exciting things happening with his career. Hey, What's up, you guys? <laughs> how much? How are you? I'm doing awesome. Good to see you both. Good to see you. Thank you so much for doing this with us. You're very welcome. You are very welcome. Clint, well, I don't know. How long have you been doing the whole public speaking, um, drumming, comedy, all of that stuff? I've been a professional speaker uh, full time, uh, just over four years, but I've been doing it for seven uh, total. Yeah, seven years. That's super cool. So what was seven years ago? Like what was happening seven years ago in your life that made you decide that that's where you wanted to take your life? Yeah, that's a good question. So I never wanted to be a professional speaker. That was like not something I grew up saying, I want to do this. <laughs> uh, I wanted to fly. Um, being a, a helicopter pilot was like the dream for me. And I started flight school when I was a senior in high school. And I graduated with my private pilot's license uh, the same time I graduated high school. So that was really cool. And I was well on my way to like living my dreams. And I went and served a mission. When I got home, I had to renew my driver's license. And I went to the DMV and I walked up and handed the lady my paperwork. And then they always tell you to put your head in that like black box to test your vision. So I put my head in there and the screen goes white. And all I see are six little red dots. And I'm like, I, I can't, I, I'm, I can't read the letters out loud because I, I only see six black dots. And I'm like, well, the machine's broken. So I tell the lady, can I go to another machine? And she's like, listen, I've seen like 74 people today and every one of them stuck their head in the black box and read the letters, read the letters. And uh, she eventually came around the counter, put her head in the black box. She clicked it, read the letters off verbatim out loud. And she looked at me and she was like, honey, I think you're blind. And I'm like, what are you, sure. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Like blind? Like, she's like, listen, like, uh, you, you can't pass a vision test. And I'm like, lady, I drove here today. And she's like, I'm not driving back. And she stamped on my paperwork, denied, uh, my driving privileges. I was under house arrest at DMV. I had to call my mom, I could not leave. And uh, she came and picked me up. And a uh, long story short, I ended up at the Moran Eye Center at the University of Utah. And I was diagnosed with a rare degenerative eye disease called keratoconus and I was going blind. And I was 21 at that time. And the doctor, I'll never forget, it was totally a moment that changed my life. He sat me in, in the chair in his office and he said, Clint, your eyes are as bad as an 87-year-old's and you have till maybe 31, 32 until you'll go blind and you're losing your sight. And keratoconus is the disease I have and it, it's a degeneration of the cornea. So basically my corneas are getting thinner and thinner and thinner the older I get until eventually you're just, you have no cornea, so you go blind. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, great. Uh, well, 
there goes my whole plan. You know, there goes my whole opportunity of everything that I wanted to do in my life. I didn't want to do anything but fly. Like college was never in the books, nothing. And there I was as a young person that had my eye on the sky. And then I watched literally in a moment as the sky fell in all around me. And I went from having purpose and direction to no longer having that. And that put me on a course to going to, to school and to college, university. I, uh, I, I didn't want to go to school. That was like, I just, I hated it. And I ended up really loving it. And I learned a lot. And I went to Utah Valley University, changed my life. And I met a really, really cool dude there uh, that was a mentor. And he shared a quote with me. And I think it's really important to remember this. And the quote is by Oscar Wilde. And the quote simply says, to live is the rarest thing in the world. For most people just exist and that's all. To live is the rarest thing in the world. Most people really do just exist, right? They work the nine to five, they get up, they rinse and repeat. They do the same thing every day. And there's really, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that if you're happy, but it was something that stood out to me because there's a difference between living a life of success and there's a difference between living a life of significance. And through college, everybody was telling me, you got to get a good job. You got to have money. You got to have stability and you got to have benefits. And oh my gosh, what if the world falls apart and you don't have health insurance, right? And those things are really true. It really is. Like when you grow up, like life slaps you in the face, it can get real, really quick. But I still think you have the opportunity to live. And I, I'll be honest, I lost sight of that. I lost track of that in college and I kind of chased the money. My dad worked in the medical field. I was like, nah, medical field, that sounds safe, right? That sounds secure. They make good money. I was like, I, I guess I'll just do that. And I ended up going into the medical field. I went to two years of specialized medical school. I became an orthopedic specialist. That's how I know Blake Gillette. I worked with Blake in the OR uh, doing all sorts of different surgeries. And every day I was making really good money. All of the benefits were crossed off, all of the stability. I had a car, a house, all of that was awesome. But literally every day I felt like I was just existing. And that quote from Oscar Wilde haunted me every day. And it was constantly just saying to live is the rarest thing in the world. And I was just existing. And I remember I sat down with my buddies. Sorry, this is a really long story. You're good, you're good. <laughs> no, we're loving it. It's great. But, but I sat down with my buddies just out of, we were, we were at a burger joint and I was just, I was frustrated. I wasn't really happy. Um, and I said, you guys, wouldn't it be crazy if you could find a job, if you could find a career that allowed you to do three things. And the three things were, what if it could provide to your passions in life? Like you really loved what you got to do every day. Second, it provided for you and your family in a way that was sufficient for your needs. And then three, what if it contributed to your purpose in life, right? Mark Twain always said there's two important days in a person's life, the day you're born and then the day you figure out why. So what if it could really contribute to that? And, and the reason you were put on this earth, the gifts that you have, the strengths and natural abilities to give back, to build the world better, to be the best for the world, not just to be the best in the world. And so I posed that question to my buddies and both of them were like, I don't think it exists. <laughs> like really like, think about it. Like, like say you're a doctor, right? you like, yeah, you make lots of money, you're, you, you know, and you feel like you've got purpose, but you're always stressed. 
and you're always away from your family and, and the commitment and the time and all the dictation you have to do and the stress of malpractice and being sued or, or they were like, look at a teacher, right? A teacher's doing what they love, but every summer they're looking for extra jobs because they can't provide. So they're like the three P's that you're talking about. I don't think one job has all of that. And my buddy straight up said, he's like, what you're, you, what you're wanting to do is an anomaly. It, it just, it's so rare. And I was like, like living. And he's like, what? what are you talking about? And I was like, boom, there it is. And two weeks after that conversation, I quit my job and I left the medical field. I left all the benefits. I left all the security to live, to follow uh, those three Ps and to become an anomaly in this world. And I can honestly say the day I quit my job was the day I truly started living. And that's when I jumped into the world uh, of professional speaking full-time. That was the career that fulfilled those three Ps for me. And uh, man, I've worked 80 hours a week, so I don't have to work 40. <laughs> that's, that's the entrepreneurial life, right? It's been a lot of time, a lot of commitment, but man, what a journey it's been. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, in that's incredible. That's crazy. I mean, med school is not a small feat to accomplish. And so to give up all of that to pursue what you love is scary. It's a risk. It's something that people aren't willing to take very often. And it's still scary. I mean, especially right now we're in the, we're in the depths of COVID-19, right? The pandemic mm -hmm. and like yeah. live events and getting together and what, what speakers genuine gen, generally speak at, that's not happening anymore. Like, true, yeah. yeah. And so it's really been, it's been a test. It's been up and down and a, a, a crazy battle, but still, despite the situation and the hardship and the uncertainty of it all, we still lived every single day. And that's something that most people can't say. That's right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You're never, you're never too long winded. You're good. Don't even worry. Go away. Um, so I'm just wondering if you remember your first show, because it sounds like, I, I don't know, I can't imagine like if I were to quit my job right now, I don't know how I would even go about going to my first show. Like what was the process of getting lined up and then how did it go? Was it like exactly what you were hoping it would go like or was it? Yeah, something I've always believed is you can live a life by design or you can live a life by default. Mm -hmm. And so much success, if you look at anybody that has reached any level of that, has come from specificity, has, has come from design. Uh, you really, really plan it out. You think through it. You, you, you look through the steps, the processes. I, I created what was called my board of mentors, uh, people that were living and breathing the life that I wanted to live. And I've always believed that we should do whatever it takes to associate with astonishing people really cool people doing the things that we want to do. And when you associate with that, it allows you to live a better story, right? If you put a hard to catch horse in a field with an easy to catch horse, you usually end up with two hard to catch horses. Uh, if you put a sick child in the room with a healthy child, you usually end up with two sick children. And so, right, Jim Rohn, he always said you become the average of the five people that you associate with most. And so I knew if I wanted to become a professional speaker, I, need to, I needed to associate with people that were living and breathing and sleeping and eating and drinking that business every single day, full time for a living. And so watching what they did, uh, I believe in a thing called mentorship and it matters. And it, I love what Isaac Newton said. He said, if 
I've ever seen further in my life, it was because I was standing on the shoulders of giants that allowed me to see. And there's been so many people in my life that have allowed me to see further because of who they were, because of the possibilities that they sparked. They, they saw my potential and my worth and what I could become. And in doing so, I was able to become more. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think that's what really helped me to transition from not having any idea of what to do to doing it full time. And, and to answer your question, my first gig, uh, actually I spoke in church when I was a senior in high school. I gave a church talk and there was a guy in the congregation that owned a leadership consulting company. And he heard me speak and he, he came up and he said, hey, listen, we're doing this leadership conference down in St. George. We would love it if you would come and speak. And I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> I have no desire to go and speak to other high school students like they will eat you alive. And he's like, listen, he's like, it's going to be awesome. And he's like, I'll pay you 500 bucks. And I was like, OK, OK, I'll do it. Yeah, 500 bucks. Like, sweet, <laughs> like $500 to a high school student. That's a lot of money. Uh, so I went down and I, I, I put together this workshop called to the beat of the drum I played drums most of my life. And I loved it. I loved, I absolutely loved it. And it was, it was one of those moments that like sparked a possibility. It's one of those moments where I was like, man, like this would be amazing to do every day for your job. <laughs> and, and then I had three other, um, uh, schools that came up and asked and said, Hey, we want you to come speak to our school. And I was like, what? Sh shut the front door. What, what do you mean? Like people do this? Like you, you pay people to come and speak. And they're like, Oh yeah, all the time we do assemblies and, and we bring speakers in every year. And I was like, sign me up. And I started speaking more and more and more, uh, went on my mission and kind of forgot about that. I still never looked at it as a stable job or a stable career and then that's when I went into the medical field but I remembered man nothing lit my heart on fire more than speaking that's awesome I love yeah. that, that you can do what you love and I you definitely found the three uh I guess the three requirements that you were looking for in your job then I've always yeah. had that question actually my uncle came up to me probably a month ago we were on vacation in Florida and he was like man he was actually talking to me, my dad, and a bunch of other people. And he was wondering if it was possible that you could love every part of your job, every day of your job. And it kind of sparked the discussion like, oh, isn't there some parts of the job that are just a job? And like, you have to do the paperwork, you have to do this, you have to do that. And for, for that discussion, it was, it was kind of interesting just because there were so many different perspectives. And I think my dad is one of the greatest examples to me of someone who just loves his job. I mean, as a CPA, it doesn't sound that exciting to you. It's just numbers and but he loves just working with people on their businesses and helping them to to achieve what they want to achieve he finds a way to be happy and enjoy pretty much all of it I would say um not that that's how it's going to be for everyone and that's a, that's a hard thing to strive for but I think that that he is evidence to me that that it's possible at least so. yeah totally and there are those those things that it's not always blissful but you still love it Mm -hmm. like it's still difficult it's still hard it's still stressful it still can be heavy but you still love it mm -hmm. that's the cool thing about it is yeah there's still difficulties there's still things that aren't always fun or exciting but you still love it uh, I think that's the differentiating factor um, at least for me in in in, in my career that's good
Yeah, I think everybody will find that. I think in every job, there'll be parts that are just the job. But if it's something that you're passionate about and you feel like it's worth it, you're willing to do the parts of the job that are stressful and difficult and overcome those to get to the part that you are passionate about. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Where the drive comes from. Yeah, totally. So I was actually reading a study the other day just because I was I was learning about the different fears that American people have Um, because I was thinking about how getting a job and getting into the whole swing of just adult life is kind of scary. Um, So that was one of my fears. But as I was reading this, I found that um, public speaking was fairly high. It wasn't as high as I'd heard in elementary school. Elementary school, I was like, oh, it's number one above anything. But on this study, it was according to the Chapman University. It was a study they did in 2019. They said that um, public speaking ranked above kidnapping, gang violence, and large volcanic eruptions, which is kind of hilarious in my mind. Wow. Um, did you ever deal with that kind of a fear? Or was that something, it sounds like your first um, your first show, you were really excited and loved it. I don't know. Did you ever deal with that fear? Yeah, for sure. I still get nervous. Yeah. Absolutely. Like before every event, like there's nerves. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I, I think the moment I'm not nervous is the moment I stop caring. I think the reason I do get nervous is because I care. You know, when there's one thing to like give a, a, an extemporaneous talk, right? Or speak in school or speak at a church function. But when somebody is paying you a decent amount of money to kill it on stage, like to really <laughs> do an amazing job, man, there is, there is a significant amount of pressure because uh, it's the Super Bowl. Every speech is the Super Bowl for me. <laughs> And it's go time. And when you walk out and you take that stage, you own it. This is your time. This is your moment. And that 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 level of intensity obviously will create some nervousness. It'll create a little bit of anxiety because there's pressure. But I've always tried to remember, too, that pressure is a privilege. Pressure is a privilege. And there's a lot of people right now that are feeling pressure. Pressure to, to provide, pressure to perform, pressure to be good enough. Uh, but but I've just always tried to remember, it's a privilege. If you're feeling that, like, good for you. Like, you've earned that in some way or you've gotten to some level where there's an amount of pressure. And, and on the other side of that is a really cool reward, is a really cool opportunity, is a really cool chance to, 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 to live, right? To do something that could be really awesome. And so... Yeah, I always try to remember every time when I feel that pressure, it's a privilege. Be lucky. Be grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm sure with your opportunities, you've traveled a little bit, maybe here and there. Um, Where has your career taken you? What's been your favorite event that you've gone to? And how has that played a role in you continuing to pursue this? Good question. Man, I've been all over the place. I've been to Dubai. I've been to Thailand. I've been oh. to Ireland. <laughs> That's awesome. I've been to Australia. I've been to England. I've been to uh, almost every one of the 50 states. Um, yeah, there's a few that I haven't checked off yet. But, and that, that, that's, that's, that's a really cool part of the job, right? Is traveling, but also a lot of people would deem that as the crappy part of the job too. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're on the road all the time. And it's true. You know, last year we did over 120 events. Oh, wow. You're on the road 
constantly like airport to airport hotel to hotel you're traveling circus right you're, you're doing shows and keynotes and presentations and sometimes it's to kids and sometimes it's to a fortune 500 company uh sometimes it's to educators every every event is different but for me especially with my my wife and i before we had our, our baby girl um man we would travel everywhere <laughs> like it was crazy it was like one week we're in we're in Ireland, one week we're in Guatemala, one week we're in Texas, one week we're in Florida, one week we're in New York. Uh, that was really our life for a long time. And now having a family, then that's that switched. And we've, we've you know, before COVID, we were starting to cut back and, and raise our fees to speak so that I could be home more. So, but it's still an adventure. That's what's so fun about it. Every event is different. You get to see the world. Uh, um, and hopefully when the, when the girls get older, then family trips, family parties, daddy, daughter, date nights, going in and kicking it in a cool place in a hotel room, eating a pizza. It could be, a, <laughs> I look forward to those, those times. That's super fun. Holy cow. I can't even imagine that. We were talking about vacation when we were getting, when we were dating and we were trying to decide like, oh, is it better to go and hang out on a beach for a week? Or is it better to go and like go backpacking in Europe, place to place? And yeah. I don't know, in, in some ways it's, it can go both ways, but I think that, I think that that's super cool that you have been all over the world and that your message is, is reaching so many different people all around the world. That's, that's crazy. I think that's gotta be, I mean, talk about fulfilling your purpose in, in that third requirement that you were looking for that's that's really cool that you have the opportunity to impact people not only in america but around the world with your message i think that's that's amazing yeah yeah it, every every time still like someone will ask hey we want you to come speak at this event or this conference and i'm like me you want me? <laughs> uh, yeah it's still very humbling very yeah yeah it's such a privilege it really yeah. is cool well talking about accomplishments and privileges Super big congrats to you on your recent Emmy nomination. That's amazing. I don't know. Is that ever part of your vision? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think so. I want to win an Emmy. No. Uh, <laughs> no, it really wasn't. Yeah, it was very crazy how that all came to be. But again, it, it shows that when you when you live, right, when you just there's something about just doing what you're meant to do uh, where God opens doors and you kind of just put up the cells and let him blow the wind. And it's crazy where you go. What, what can happen when you do that? It's crazy. It kind of sounds like your main message is to live and to take advantage of the opportunities that this life presents and to fulfill your purpose. Um, if you could narrow it all down, everything that we've talked about, what would be like the main message you hope to leave with like every audience that like you go and talk to them and you share like these messages, what's the main one that you want to leave with every single audience? I think, I think, you know, we talk about the, the, the locations and the traveling and the Emmy award and the accolades and what was this like? But at the end of the day, uh, that's not really what really matters to me. Again, it's not about I, my saying, my quote, whatever you want to call it, that I try to live my life by is that it's not about being the best in the world. It's about being the best for the world. And I think at the end of the day, that's what brings true fulfillment. 
Um, because I don't, I don't care what any of us do in this life. None of us are getting out of life alive, right? <laughs> We're all going to die. It's just a part of life. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And at the end of my life, I'm, I'm going to be surrounded by two things. I'm going to be surrounded by the woulda, shoulda, couldas or the do it, did it, done it's. And I want to be surrounded by the do it, did it, done it's. Like I lived, but I also lived for other people. I lived for my sweetheart. I lived for my, my kiddos. I lived on that stage not to go, well, look at me. No, to go, let me share something that's going to help you live better. That is what is significant, not just successful. And, you know, you like you, if you look at deathbed studies and what people actually say when they're dying, nobody says, I wish I would have had a bigger house on a hill. Nobody says, I wish I would have worked more hours in the office. Nobody says, I wish I would have had a bigger boat or a faster car. Nobody says that. When people are dying and they're about ready to take their last breath on earth, the two things they always talk about is, I wish I would have had better relationships in my life. You know, I I wish I would have been a better dad or I wish I would have been a better sister. Uh, And then the second thing they say is I wish I would have done something bigger than myself. I wish I would have contributed and given and served and really strive to be the best for other people. And that's what it's all about. And you look at the most iconic, influential and memorable humans in this world and they were people that were the best for the world. Not, not the best for themselves. They were the best for others. And so that's what it's about. And that would be my closing thoughts on this epic podcast. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. It really does mean a whole lot that you're, you're willing to be here with us and share that message. We hope that we'll be able to, to portray that to a lot more people. And I, I just think that your message is so applicable and so important. Um, just because I really do believe that every single person has a purpose, like you said. And I think that it's so easy in this world with social media and with just college, even where you just get so narrow-minded on forgetting what the overall purpose is. So I think, I think you're, you're dead on. And I think that I needed to hear that because sometimes I get focused on the wrong things and we all do it's very very easy yeah Yeah. no I kind of felt like I was sitting there um just regretting my last like six months or something okay but (laughs) oh no last six months all kinds of guilt no not that Uh (laughs) ever married (laughs) but even even at work I just feel like all the time I I get focused on the wrong thing I'm doing this to get a task done rather than to to help somebody or to to move on anyways i think i think i need to hear that so thank you again um yeah you're you're very welcome any closing thoughts no i was just gonna say thank you honestly like if this podcast reaches nobody else but us two you've made a difference you really have like that was super inspiring and i really appreciate you coming and being willing to do this with us today so yeah well props to you for what you're doing right it's in the (laughs) do things get done and most people just don't do what it takes to 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 make things happen so yeah yeah, congrats to you both and i hope you keep doing it thank you thank you well thank you for joining us on the good vibe hive and sharing your good vibes to leave with us in the hive yeah appreciate you (laughs) we'll catch you on the flip-flop i love it later
Thanks for joining us for this week's edition of Really Cool People. If you're not following us on social media yet, you really need to. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Go follow us. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss out on any adventures from our Good Vibe Hive. We'll see you next Saturday for another edition of Really Cool People.